Ladies and gentlemen, guten Nacht and bienvenidos and welcome to Uber Cinco, the podcast game show where we deep dive top fives. Today our contestants will reveal and defend their top five broken promises of higher education. Oof. Matriculating for us today are the two grand old masters of Uber Cinco, Brian Ernst and Mitch Brinkman. Mitch, welcome to you. I am judging today, and you and I were randomly assigned freshman year roommates, so if your list includes any disappointments due to your dorm living situation, be prepared to face a stern penalty. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great. Um, and uh, I will say one of the... I. Um, it wasn't a promise, but it was a surprise. Um, I didn't expect to get paired with a um, debilitating gambling addict uh, my first year <laughs> of college. But you know what? It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot. Uh, so I, I thank you for that. I'm glad my downward spiral could be a ray of hope for someone else. Uh, Brian, Brian, you you also went to DePaul University, but you were several years younger than Mitch and I. You were, I believe, still in preschool by the time we graduated, so you probably have a very different experience. I do, and I think we will get into some of those differences, but I feel like you, uh, we all came across the same type of people while going to that school, just at different age levels. So hopefully we will tackle that later on. And let's stop and just give a couple facts about DePaul University. It's it's America's largest private Catholic university. It's the number one university in Chicago. Uh, only about 2,500 of its students live on campus, and the rest, which when we were there at its peak population, 16,000 students, that means the overwhelming majority were commuter students. So that creates kind of a weird um, transient college population um and the people tra- traveling in they always had a weird smell to them you know i feel like you can never trust them um i, I don't i, I didn't want to leave my laptop near them you know when i was going to the yep. restroom i always had to keep one eye open you know when you're dealing with those commuter students so of course nathan and i lived on campus you know uh the the, the true blue demons at the core of the community so DePaul, Chicago is your campus. Okay. <laughs> that, that was that was the tagline. I was I was a tour guide for a couple of years and I Oh, think that's I was, right. I was I was contractually obligated to to say stuff like that. That was okay. that, was, that was a fun understand. job. That was a fun I, job I, because I, I didn't I didn't uh, uh, really love I didn't love uh I, I love some parts of DePaul, I dislike some parts as as we go through. You know, I think that's just part of every stage of life is there's pros and cons, but Basically, I, I figured out how to do that job well. It was just you talk sports with the dads, you flirt with the moms, you say good things about the school, and boom, I got great reviews. I got a raise. I was making $11 a tour by the end, guys. $11. Wow. Holy cow. Well, I've, I'm, I'm going to have some hard-hitting questions for you later than Nathan because you might know better about uh, DePaul University than I when I was a student there. So uh, I, I can tell you everything about how things were in 2008. I've got that yes. down. <laughs> no, that's great. That's no great. idea nothing, what's going on now. There's no way anything's changed. It's yeah. exactly the same. <laughs> nothing's changed. So... All right, well, today's topic, this is actually an audience submission provided by our favorite person in the entire universe, Jess Trueblood. And if you would like your turn at being our favorite person in the entire universe and have your topic debated on an upcoming episode of Uber Cinco, head on over to bizbear.biz, hit us with your ideas, we may just use it. All right, we know the topic, we know our guests. If this is your first time in the den, let's wake you out of hibernation with a quick rundown of the rules. Each player in the den has spent time with today's topic, arranging their top five answers in order of importance. Those answers have been submitted to the host who will moderate the game, awarding points to the player with the most poignant answer. 
Starting with their number five choice, we'll move up the ranks until we reach each of their top answers. But if both contestants happen to have the same answer on their list, well, we have an Uber, Uber Stereo. You will hear the official Uber Cinco siren, and both players must reveal their answer and what number they ranked their submission. An Uber stare down is all or nothing, with one player earning three points. After all answers have been read, the host will reveal the final score. And don't forget to stick around to the end where I, Nathan Henenfent, will rattle off my fast five send-off of the top five greatest numbers of all time. Wow. That's a list. All right. Without, without further ado, let's get started. I would like Mr. Brian Ernst to start us off with his number five broken promise of higher education. All right. So I think I need to be very clear as a, as a white male from the United States, everything that's being said today comes from a place of extreme privilege. I love going to a college of having the experience Life is going good, but the financial stress of college and dealing with life is still very much a real concern. And the number five broken promise of higher education is that it's the best choice. No, it's not. I know a lot of non-book smart people that are freaking great with their hands or natural born salesmen and women, but college is not the best choice for everyone. And I'm sick of it being touted as the only choice. So I remember watching a YouTube video once based on a recent article that had come out that broke down a plumber versus a doctor on their net worth journey. And they broke even at age 42 with a million and a half dollars, not counting for whatever they spent their money on. That if you took a certain part of your salary and you saved and this and the doctor coming out of debt, they both broke even at 42, having the same amount of money. But the doctor was obviously up until debt into that point, and the plumber, the plumber, had been growing in a yearly salary since he started, and may even have his own business by this point. So, who is anyone to tell anyone else that it's that you need to go down that path of college and not doing this thing if you happen to be good with your hands and have a business mindset and want to start your own thing? Everyone is different, and that doesn't need to be a promise that you have to go to to college. I, I would I think also the, like to point out, though, that both the doctor and the plumber at some point had to touch somebody else's poop. And that's very so, true. So really, both of them are the losers, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Those old proctology plumbers. <laughs> the new I think the new promise should be that you should just get your shit together after high school get a real job for a few years, learn the value of money, and then make a solid decision instead of now where you the current path is you need to know exactly what you're doing with your life by eighth grade so that you can do what you need to do in high school to join the right programs, to get into the right school, to get the right job. That's just, it's just, it's a bunch of malarkey to quote our, our current commander in chief. Mm. And that's the thing that's, I think that's a, the biggest lie that we've probably been fed for the longest time that it's the only choice. Therefore, I, a broken promise. I, I think I think that's fair. I, we talked uh, on an earlier episode a couple of weeks ago of this show about how irresponsible people are between the ages of sixteen and eighteen. Yes, and it was an immense amount of pressure to be you know make. I remember trying to choose where I was going to go to college, and it, it, it's such a huge decision. And does anybody actually really have an idea what they want to do with their life when they're eighteen? That's that seems like an unbelievable amount of pressure because then you, you talk to people who are like in their 40s who say things like oh i still don't know what i want to do 
And yeah. these are people who are sometimes often very successful. So how is a, a 16 or 17 year old going to have any clue what the best decision is? Really, they're just they're just, uh, you know, blindly throwing at a dartboard and hoping hoping things stick. Um, it's 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 a bizarre it's a bizarre system. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who are way happier that just didn't go to college. They didn't start out in debt. They didn't start out with this. And they are living kind of the 50s dream. They already have a, a, a house with a mortgage that they can afford. They've already started a family. They've already done this. I don't know anybody personally in my life who's gone to college who was at that point already in their life from my circle. I'm like, that's such a like the attainable thing that you want. And it's really, really hard to get right now, especially with the decisions made to, to go to college. Well, Mitch, over to you, yeah. man. I... Uh, wait for number five, or or just sorry, am I trying to? Well, do you have any? Do you have any? Do you have any Brian's thing here? You have any? You have any thoughts on this? This is a pretty. Um, this is a pretty big sort of overarching uh, number five here. Sort of the whole yeah. system. Is there any I mean, response I, I, you have? I think that um, I, I I hate to play um, party pooper here, but I think Brian's uh, anecdote of plumber versus doctor is a little oversimplified. Because there's also like to become a plumber that is specialized training you have to do. So you have to do some sort of higher ed. It's not just you just become a plumber one day. Um, and then also that's assuming that you probably are a union plumber that you got to get into the union. And then also you have the access to capital um, and the and, and the ability to start your own business, which not everyone has that. So. Um, yeah, I think it needs to go without saying that they need to be a, a smart worker, have to want the drive to attend an apprenticeship. And yeah. yes, they do have to invest in it, but I'm not saying they have to go four years, put themselves sure. in debt and get and get a piece of paper sure. that may or may not be worth something to them. Sure. Yeah. And, but and how, many, know, how many beer bongs do they do a week at uh, plumbing <laughs> trade school? I don't know, but I want to go and find out. <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, really, it seems like a lot of, you know, the, the main power of, of going to certain colleges is really just access to the network, right? I mean, and if you have the ability to to have it all and hang hang with it, with the GPA as well, you know, your ability to, to have your cake and eat it too, it's really just that small test and then like you, you gain you gain entree to that to that next level essentially um, i'll talk but. about that later but i don't think the network is worth what it's they say it's worth well, well yeah, i mean i i mean my network is you two assholes so i guess yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. you guys are the good the good part of the network but like it's like who you decide to be in your immediate circle i guess is technically a network but like just because you went there and having the ability to say like oh we went there at the same time remember me that part of the networking aspect of it has never really paid off. Yeah, well, and and also I, I think DePaul University is not in the echelon of schools where the network is very powerful and it can probably. Flex for you. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's I, maybe I should have been more specific in saying you need to go to that to that top. Maybe the tier. business school kids might have a, a little bit. Yeah, because hey, uh, let's be honest, you know, uh, Jillian DePaul Anderson not was amazing. Tier. She was amazing as a. Uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher in the crown this year. <laughs> and she yes. was from the theater school at DePaul. So we've got some clout. All right. All right. Let's, let's keep it going, Mitch, with, with your number five. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my number five um, is, is intern into mediocrity. I'm calling it. Um, and- oh, oh, we got us there. First stare down in a while. Ooh, we're back at it. After Ooh. 
After several episodes of stare down this abstract nonsense, we've finally come back to the heart of the show. <laughs> and so, so Mitch, Mitch, restate your number five, please, for the record. Sure. Yeah, my my, my number five is I'm calling it intern to mediocrity. Okay, so, and that's that's gonna match up with Brian's number two. Brian, your number two is stated as you'll get the best experience. All right, so, so we'll, we'll get into how these overlap here with Brian, but Mitch, it's it's your the floor is yours. Please uh, provide us the number five. Sure. Yeah. So my experience in this was that again, you you come in and you tour the program, and they say we have an incredible. I I, I got a, a finance degree. They say we have incredible connections here in Chicago. You will have your pick of the litter when it comes to internships. Um, again, you can flex that that Chicago network. Outside of Chicago, the network doesn't really flex or work, but in Chicago, flex <laughs> that network. And so it came time to get myself internships and then uh, qu- quickly found out that um, unless you were uh, gung-ho about it from like 18 on and also n- probably knew someone, those internships weren't really all that tasty or delicious. And so this was my first day. Welcome to Tipperman Wealth Group, a subdivision of Solomon Smith Barney, a subsidiary of J.P. Morgan Chase. And so I spent my whole days on the phone calling people, people that were about to retire, people that had dealt with, you know, workplace baloney and and bull roar for already a couple of decades. And then they hear my voice on the other end. <laughs> hey, mister, how you doing? You want to give me all your money and put it into Tipperman Wealth Group to make retirement great? And then they're like, who the fuck is calling me? Oh, my name is Mitch Brinkman. I'm from Tipperman Wealth Group. And then they're like, yeah, okay, why are you calling me? How'd you get my number? And then I'd say, well, I got it off my call sheet. I got from my supervisor, Liz. And then um, it never went well because no one who's about to retire wants to hear anything about retirement planning from a 20-year-old. Um, <laughs> and it's not like I was even like giving them advice, of course. This was just the first cold call to try and get them to sign up. And I think the most demoralizing thing was I'd have a, you know, you have to do multiple call sheets in a day. Let's say four columns per sheet, like 30 numbers per column. So it's 120 numbers per sheet. And I, and I had to do like four in a day, basically. Ugh. And there would be horizontal crossouts on, you know, probably about, oh, 118 per page. It was like two per page. They'd be like, you know what? Mitch from Tipperman Wealth Group, yeah, I'll 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 take your pamphlet. Send the pamphlet over. I'll take a look, and then I'm like, well, you know, Tipperman Wealth Group offers a, an elevated sense of money management that will make your money work for. And they're like, yeah, yeah just I send the pamphlet. Like I've got it. I've got a ten minute work break, and I've spent eight of it talking to you. Just send the goddamn pamphlet. And then you're like, oh, is this email correct? And then they just hang up on you and you hope it's we already had the right email or the right contact info. Dear Lord, this is terrible. It was awful. It was very awful. And they tracked, of (laughs) course, you know, how how many calls you made and that you had to do training and whatnot. Were these calls recorded by chance? Yes. Yeah, they they, they were recorded, but they weren't like reviewed on a daily basis. I'm sure just in the case of a lawsuit or in case of me yelling like, well, go – Go suck a dog's dick and fuck yourself, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Anderson. 
they probably they probably go uh, review that one. But uh, and and my my supervisor because I was the only intern. They had, there was like a room of eight of us probably. The only intern that uh, you know had had any like I had done improv training by then that kind of stuff. So I was the only one who was comfortable just talking to someone on a phone really. And so she would train me up and she'd be like, wow, you're, you're going to be ready to do this. You're so like, you're so easy and, and relaxed on the phone. But then I just knew, I was like, I, I don't want to take any more time than I have to of these poor people's time to try and trick them into talking to like Gary Tipperman, who's probably, you know, has got gold cufflinks is going to try and swindle them out of their money for a commission fee. And so it just, it, it made me so sad. And I started just, dialing the numbers and then hanging up like I wouldn't yeah. do the calls. I just make it look <laughs> uh-huh. like I dialed my numbers. And yeah. uh, and I, I told this to one of my coworkers. His name was Steven, this tall gangly fuck. And he told on me. <laughs> he fucking ratted me out. And Liz, the supervisor, you know, asked me to do like a lunch hangout with her. And she said, you know, Mitch, so I know that you aren't doing your full calls and, you know, We'd like, we think maybe that this internship isn't for you. And I said, it absolutely is not. I would love to leave right now. <laughs> and I got it and I got it and I did not finish the day out. I left right then and there and I felt amazing. So, wow. Oh, did, what a yeah. gangly asshole. Did, was this, was this for, <laughs> did you still receive any class credit or was this just uh, for experience sake? I think, I think at that point I had already like done all the credits I needed. So this was just for, for like, you know, 10 bucks an hour and for, you know, networking connections or, and, you know, blah, at least blah, it was blah, paid. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But oh, I mean, there was a- no commission. Like we didn't get five bucks for every person we got to agree to a pamphlet, nothing like that. It was, I mean, it was, it was utter, yeah, utter baloney because your commission would be worth more than the pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You were, you were yeah. being, you were being used for your yes. unskilled labor, basically, under the, the pretense of this being some sort of glamorous in for you into the financial industry. Mm-hmm. It's a classic, classic tale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. all right. Uh, Brian, Brian you're, you're number two, I believe. It's going to cover some of the same territory. Let's hear what you have to say. So, yeah, my number two, again, was called You'll Get the Best Experience, Being the Broken Promise. Um. I got a couple of bone to picks here. For for one, I cannot stand the idea of the unpaid internship. It's like students are already paying for college. Now, if they're going to work for your company for free, they can't go earn an income to make food. It's just like, if you're working for your company, you need to pay them, period. So the promise of, of going to working for three months for free in hopes that you get this job, I think it's just a, a horrible system. And two, for me, Luckily, I never had an unpaid internship. I always had usually pretty decent summer jobs. Uh, one, I worked for the Dominic's Warehouse, a now defunct grocery store in the Chicago area where I picked 45,000 pounds a night to ship onto trucks. The next summer, I worked maintenance doing the same thing at the company, except I had to go uh, paint yellow safety uh, thing on all the cones that were or that needed a new, new coat of paint, as well as grinding the rust off of the air conditioner on the roof. And then another year, I was a retail operations consultant for Verizon Wireless, where I was a 19-year-old guy going into stores and telling managers how they're running their store wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Which was... Oh, so oh, like, I wish I could have seen this. So this is not delicious. O- 
so not only was I a rock, as they called us, an ROC, uh, we actually had to do some uh, mystery shopper experience <laughs> where we'd be like, all right, we're really trying to push netbooks next quarter. Next quarter, can you please go dress up as, as, in street clothes? Go hit these five locations in a day and try and get someone to sell you a netbook. We need to know how much our, our, our employees really know about this topic. So those so were actually you were, fun. You were like James Bond. You were that was pretty fun. I was not going <laughs> to lie, that was pretty fun. I want uh, that job. I they, it, actually they wouldn't even have to pay me. I would do this as an unpaid internship today <laughs> as a thirty-four-year-old man. It was the do best this. job ever. It was like somewhere between sixteen and seventeen dollars an hour, plus fifty-five cents a mile. Um, to engage in subterfuge, this is yes. incredible. <laughs> that was a great <laughs> job. Uh, it was. Uh, it got to the point though where it was like I still never really understood what the checklist was for. Every time I went to a store, I didn't know what to look for, so I ended up just giving everybody good grades because I like didn't want to shit on anybody. <laughs> so that's. <laughs> I was not good at that job. Anyway, this brings me to the worst experience that I believe you could get at DePaul University, and yeah. that is paying to be a part of Project Blue Light. Let me tell you what Project Blue Light is. <laughs> this, the yeah. dumbest program I ever refuse to take part in. You, an aspiring filmmaker, pay full price for a summer class to work on a movie Written, directed, and produced by a professor. Let me say that again. You <laughs> paid college prices to fulfill someone else's dream. And the movies were fucking awful. <laughs> they were terrible, which means they should have just been student films all along. Why not try and teach a student to be a director, producer, writer? Ugh. The gig was always in place to attract talent to boost enrollment. I, I I get that. So it was a marketing ploy, but from an education standpoint, it's just the program was an absolute travesty. And I'm sure it's changed a little bit, but I went to the website today and I still see faculty directors listed on their promotion page as recent as 2018. So I'm assuming yeah. the program is exactly the same. So a... Wow. A... A, a failed filmmaker who is now a teacher gets to take their script that's been in a drawer that nobody else has wanted to make forever. They get to use student labor and school money to produce this movie and fulfill their dreams while everybody else pays to be there. Now, the easiest way to fix this program is just make it staff supervised. And maybe senior undergrads and master students are the only ones who actually get their project made because I have no problem with undergrads working on a master student piece. At least that's all students working together with some chaperoning from professors, but they should all be paid for their time with actual cash or free classes. Like that's the benefit of going to the school is to have access to equipment and people and experiences. And you didn't get that with that. So Instead of being a work for hire grip on Professor What's His Faces, edit, uh, who teaches editing two, uh, two versions back of Final Cut, I went to go be a retail <laughs> operations consultant at Verizon Wireless, and look at me now. All right, well, I, I, I certainly, I certainly could name some names of the people who were, but uh, I, I, I won't. I'll, there, there were some people at DePaul who I still very much love and respect. 
who may have had a hand in some of this, but but yeah, I I was there for this, and I I, I refused. I only took part in one blue light uh, thing, and that was because I was going to be an extra. Because one of the other girls who was going to be an extra, who like I I I had a car, so I drove everybody there. It was at a racetrack, and I was yep. trying to I was trying to hook up with one of the other girls who was going to be an extra. P.S. P.S. Mission failed, but anyways, that was my one my one day on set at a blue light thing. But and I do get that. Like if I'm a professor in that position, I would probably take advantage of the program. But if I'm the head of the of the school. This program would never have existed because, yeah. I mean, if it was completely voluntary to work on it and I just had to give up my summer to work on it, I think I would have, I would have done it. Like, hey, cool. I'm going to give up my time. I'm going to go learn something. Absolutely no problem. But the fact that I had to pay to be there is the yeah. travesty of it all. Well, and, and, and to work on a film called P.S. Mission Failed, I mean, I feel like that doesn't give you <laughs> a lot of confidence, you know? <laughs> No one's going into this thinking we're going to succeed. We're thinking this is going to suck and it should. Um, I was, I was probably the worst extra ever. It was, it was me. (laughs) Did you make a lot of camera eye contact? (laughs) Well, here's the scenario. It was me with a carload full of really attractive girls and I'm 21 years old and it's it's at a racetrack while there are races going on. And so, so I'm like, gamble. I just, I just want to talk to all these pretty ladies and go gamble on the horses. <laughs> like I didn't care about the movie. It was, there was all I had to do was walk and pretend that I was talking to somebody, and that was they had a problem getting me to do that. So uh, <laughs> it was. Anyways, I need to score. I need to score this round. Uh, Nathan, so, Nathan, Nathan, what was your 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 uh, the thing you were mouthing while you were being an extra to make it look like you were having a conversation in the background? Uh, I think I kept uh, saying things like, uh, God damn it, you two-bit uh, raggedy nag. You can go faster than that down the home stretch. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was, I, my eyes were on the monitors the whole time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Br- Brian, for your, your number five, um, which was, uh, let's see, we, we, we did a number five for you, right? Correct. That was the uh, Woo, college not being the best choice. For Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Can't no. even remember what well, happened. It was, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to give you two points. It was, it was a very, very valid uh, uh, entry into the, the topic, but I think it was just overall a little too overarching. So I'm going to give you two points. And then for the Uber stare down, um, boy, Mitch, that was, that was a, I, I love that story about you, uh, with your <laughs> with your cold calls that just that broke my heart and brian you 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 really you, you hit me where i live with the uh, the blue light and my own um anger towards that program so this is this is a really tough one but uh mitch just for your telephone voice and i can see i can see little 20 year old mitch doing that i'm gonna i'm gonna give you the three points for the stare down yeah Woo! not fair you go. lived with him and know what that voice sounds like mitch has a a lead here that's bull roar uh so that's gonna take us to round wait yeah so that's round four now and mitch we're gonna have you do your number four sure yeah so my number four um i'm calling it's the houston astros treatment it's welcome to the big (laughs) leagues kid now let me tell you what the next pitch is um and what this means is in college at DePaul, i had twice as many just show up, put your forehead on the desk, take a nap, wake up, have a coffee, take another nap, 
and then turn in one assignment and you get an A classes. These are pure cupcake, baloney, uh, you know, just just fluffing out your GPA classes. Explore Chicago, okay? Oh God! <laughs> oh my God! But for the well, let's, for yeah, for give the, give, yes. give the listeners a rundown of what this was. Sure, sure. So at DePaul, they have Explore or Discover Chicago classes you take as freshmen, and these are uh, classes where you explore. Chicago. Um, so uh, there were a, a litany of, of subjects. Uh, I think one of them that I tried to get into, but it filled up too quickly, was food in Chicago, which they just went and ate at restaurants. And, you know, <laughs> maybe do that on your own time, you you dumb kids. Uh, but the one, I, the one I did was Endurance Sports in Chicago, it was called. And what? we just learned that, like, marathons took place in Chicago <laughs> and that like what bike races took place that were of distance. And my teacher was a former, uh, like Olympic level race walker. Okay. Imagine that Malcolm <laughs> in the middle episode where Hal is yep. racing. It's like, it's that level of, of intensity. And so his big day, this was his crowning achievement of the quarter. His, his coup d'etat with his full joie de vivre was on display. He brought us to Oz Park to teach us how to race walk. Now, it takes about four seconds to teach someone how to race walk. Because <laughs> really, really all it is is you just have to teach someone. You have to have enough confidence to not look like an ass as you swing your elbows and let your hips go loose and really get out there as you, you just, just walk you're, you're as fast as you to. can. You, you have to, you can't at any point have both feet off the ground. Isn't that the rule of race yes. walking? Is that how it yes. works? Okay. Yes. Which is exactly how normal walking works too, which we all do naturally. <laughs> and <laughs> and so. Yeah, we've, we've already, we've already taught everybody listening how to do it. And it took us yeah. 10 seconds. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, th- this class was in the, um, the first floor of the connected dorm of our, ours freshman year. And I went like the first four classes and we, we didn't learn anything. Like he just was like, all right, now we're going to learn about the Chicago marathon. And I said to someone next to me, basically like, it's a marathon. What else do we need to fucking know? Like, <laughs> unless he's teaching us how to train for it, which he wasn't. So I was very cool. And this, this class was at eight 30. So I just didn't go for a couple weeks, came back, uh, hadn't missed a thing. Hadn't, there hadn't been no assignments, um, given out. Find out that uh, we had uh, a exercise journal due at the end of the quarter. You just had to write down what exercise you did on that day. Or if you didn't, you said no exercise today. And then we had to write, uh, like do a, 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 a test, which he gave all the answers to so you could just have them in advance. And uh, so I went to, I think, you know, that's about, I think about five class periods. And there was, I think, 30 total. Got an A in the class. Um, I made sure one of the days to be there for the race walking demonstration, and I and I challenged the teacher to a race walk. And, uh, <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> of course I did, and of course I was the asshole who I just jogged at one point to like catch up to him because he was ahead of me, and he couldn't accuse me of cheating because he wasn't absolutely sure, but you could tell he was really annoyed. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So any like in my high school, granted, I went to a strange high school, you know, Catholic military, all boys college prep, you know, very, very uh, academically competitive. And you like you would 
uh, people would make you feel bad if you didn't get good grades, which isn't always the case at some schools. And so going from that environment where you wouldn't let people cheat off of you because you wanted to beat them, um, going to this where I'm doing Explore Chicago, and then also like I had a uh, – uh, granted, I love the Coen Brothers, but I, I took Coen Brothers film course. That was an absolute joke. Uh, we just watched movies, and I had already seen them all anyway. And the room was dark the whole time anyway. So like the ones I'd seen all the time, I just didn't go. And he never knew you weren't there because the room was dark the whole time as we were watching movies. So experiences <laughs> like that. that. And that class cost you $600 a day. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. No, uh, I, 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 I did the math. And when we, were, we went there, I think it was about $24,000 a year to go to, to ball. So you cut that in three to go, you know, because it, it's, trimesters. it's quarters or trimesters. Yeah. Yep. So it's eight thousand per per trimester, and let's say you take four classes, it's two thousand per class, thirty hours of class time per. It's sixty six dollars and sixty six cents per hour at DePaul. So I spent that amount of money to sit and watch The Big Lebowski for the thirty eighth time, <laughs> but I could have spent that a hundred and thirty two dollars buying like you know uh, ten copies of it or whatever. So. Yeah, I, I would say like fresh freshman year, Mitch though was the guy who would go to class and watch The Big Lebowski, and then come home and be like, "Oh, what are we gonna do tonight?" And then you would suggest that we watch The Big Lebowski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was because it's a great film. Uh, yeah. That's very true. We watched felt- it was it was that Wedding Crashers and yep. Wayne's World Two. We're just on a loop <laughs> our entire freshman year. Wait, no, 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 Wayne's World. I would not put on Wayne's World Two. Wayne's World. It was I. There was there was the one there was one instance where uh, Mitch had uh, gone out for St. Patrick's Day and was a, a little worse for the wear, and, <laughs> <laughs> and and couldn't be couldn't be roused from bed, and yeah. the and we, we, he had he had found himself locked in the room and I couldn't get in and the <laughs> Wayne's World DVD menu was just going in a loop and it had like the same thirty seconds of the movie for about six or seven hours. And we had to we had to wait for Mitch to wake up before we could get in and finally turn it off, so we would stop hearing from the other room the Wayne's World DVD. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. I did I did also want to mention like there were a lot of these cupcake classes that we took. Like my yeah. Explore Chicago was a movie class and uh, you know similar situation, but I, this backfired on me. And a lot of other people, because this was around 2006 when this happened, and there was a class called Pirates of the Caribbean. At this point, this is right around the time the (laughs) second movie in the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise came out. And so I signed up and like a lot of, you know, it was a very popular in-demand class. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to be a cakewalk and of course on the first the first day we watched like 45 minutes of the first pirates of the caribbean movie but then after that we were expected to go to the newberry library down in uh river north and check out primary sources and we were gonna have to do some real academic research on piracy in the 16th and 17th (laughs) centuries and at one point literally the professor threw all of us out of class like 20 minutes in he was like None of his, none of you are taking this seriously. Just get out of here. He literally dismissed the entire class. Wow! And, and we were like, "Well, what did, did you really think we took this class to try and learn? Like, this is <laughs> yeah." So this was the home ec or shop class of college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Brian, give me your give me your number four. 
All right. Uh, before I get to my number four, my, my blow off classes for DePaul, all of my math credits came from intro to Excel, then intro to Microsoft Access. And all of my science credits came from uh, image optics and cinematic motion is basically where you just calculated the focal length of something. <laughs> and then that was it. <laughs> so all of my math and science was done in those three classes. Wow. So great. Number four, <laughs> um, you'll get a job in your field. Bull fucking shit. This is one of the biggest broken promises, I believe. I know maybe 10 people that work in their field that I went to college with. Brian, what's your job again? Uh, it's not even me. <laughs> I work for a, I work in journalism now. Didn't take a single journalism course. And I kind of do YouTube stuff, but not really. Like it's a very, very odd job. It's technically not in the field I studied. Um, there was a J school at DePaul that I could have attended, but it was not my interest level. But just because you know how to use cameras and stuff, your job description changes. Um, they also say if you go to college, you'll be worth 50K a year minimum the second you graduate. My first job, which was at a newspaper, so my field adjacent, we'll call it, paid $10 an hour. And I was working along someone with a master's degree that actually had a degree from a journalism school making the same amount. So this was a newspaper. So please, everybody, please pay for local news. Thank you. Small little reminder. But uh, yeah, $10 an hour starting whether you had a bachelor's or master's degree. That's like saying, hey, Farmer John, if you buy this tractor, you're definitely going to have access to this farm, which will yield more product, making you more money. But what we're not going to tell you is that there are 600 other farmers on your block that also we sold tractors to and promised them this same farm. So how about instead you all just share it, make less, but don't forget to pay or your tractor bill back. All right. Because we, we need to get those tractors paid for. So if you told that to somebody who was trying to start a business and actually yield a product, they'd be like, you're full of shit. This makes no sense. But yet we eat it up and we do it every every year. So. Well, it's Ugh. this was this is definitely prevalent as we were in the film program where every single person in the film program and they they let a lot of people in. It was you could you could if you got accepted into the school, you could just change your major at any time. This is a, any kids listening. If you want to get into a certain program, just get accepted into the school, then change your major later. Total easy loophole that people don't talk about enough. That's <laughs> totally doable but it turns out every <laughs> single person in the film program thought they were going to have 10 oscars by the time they were 28 years old which i will talk about in my number one in great <laughs> <Yeah>. detail <laughs> also like kind of how like uh if you go to uh if you go to like a late night show on a thursday at second city here in chicago every single person both on stage and in the audience is convinced they're going to be on saturday night live within a few years <laughs> yeah not to not to shit on everybody's dreams but just, just enjoy, enjoy what you're doing and be good at it. Don't, yeah. Any, anyways, I, math, math I, also yeah. happens, folks. <laughs> there are two jobs available, and there are four million people. Please do the math. Anyways, I, 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 I digress. Brian, Brian, any anything else to add there on your your number four? No, it's, I'm trying to be funny, and it's just making me angry. So we should move on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll. Uh, I, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna score this round, Mitch. The, the, the. 
jog down memory lane you're taking me on here is it's wonderful all those cupcake classes on DePaul I could do a whole episode of cupcake college classes I took oh. several stories came to mind but we're on time limit here so I'm just gonna give you the three points and we'll save those for a later day great and then uh Brian uh, again this this hits me uh you know and right where right where I live uh it's it's just incredibly true. So many people have the degree with one title and they're doing another thing. So I, I got to give you three points as well. So we will move back over to Mitch for his number three now. Sure. Uh, okay. So <clears throat> let me let me start a little scene here. <laughs> yes. Oh uh, yeah. Come on in. Come on in. Yep. Uh, you're my you're my three fifteen. Ah yeah. I'm 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 Jeremy. Uh and and who are you? And this is how all my conversations started uh, with my um, academic counselors. And, you know, they were so, so poor at their jobs. This was always a soul rotting experience for me uh, when going to figure out what classes I would take next, uh, what what classes I should I should take to set up another choice, perhaps, you know, a, a, a bit of planning like a two years down the road, or, 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 if you will. Um, and it would, I mean, in general, when you have an appointment with someone and they're there to help you and you're paying again, as I mentioned just before $24,000 a year, um, to, 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 to go to school, they should know what your name is and have your file printed out maybe before you get there and maybe have a bit of an idea of maybe even just what your major is, maybe even that, uh, or maybe even like what year you are that, that would also be nice. But so I would always spend the first 10 minutes of my appointments sitting there as they printed out my file, reread my file, uh, maybe tried to um, uh, play off that, uh, no, no, I, I am their counselor. And, I, and I'd say, I, I didn't have you last time. And they're like, no, 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 I, I've been your counselor and that kind of thing. And that all, all to just, you know, show me the worksheet they just printed out and that I have at home anyway, just to point at things and read what the paper <laughs> says. Oh God. Um, oh, yeah. There's, there's no worse exercise than that. Uh, because you know, you leave just going, you know what? I, I can just, I'll just fucking do it on my own. I don't, I don't, I don't need to waste my time to come down here and have someone else uh, do this for me. Uh, but then it hurts at the very end. It feels like a, a nice little, um, Nice little bell ringing, but uh, instead of a bell getting rung, it's your ass getting rung. And that is, <laughs> thank you. When you go to finalize your your um, your your poli sci uh, minor, and uh, and you think you're done, and then they say, oh no no no, those those uh the the requirements for the poli sci minor changed last year. Uh, those three classes you took last year don't apply, actually to to any of your degrees. It looks like here, so. You've got some extra classes just floating out there, so yeah, you, you, you're gonna have to to uh, to pick some new ones to fill in the gaps. And that is the first time I've ever, I think, as a Minnesotan, this is tough to do to yell at someone in a in a in a confined space like that. Because of course, <laughs> the counselor's office is never large either in a downtown building. But I, I don't remember uh, what his name was, but I I did yell at him and I said. What the fuck? Uh, why wasn't I sent an email at the very least? And of course, well, no, I'm sure you were. You were sent an email. I went back and searched my whole email history. No email. No way. No communication. 
Um, and I, I, I ended it, I remember, as I, I pounded the desk and said, fuck you, fuck this. And I got up and I walked out. So, uh, <laughs> and it solved great. everything. <laughs> not great. Wow. Um, but then, and then it, I, I was very, very angry because, you know, that's like, that's a whole semester. That's a whole eight grand, you mm-hmm. know, not just whoop, right down. Also time down the tube. Um, and if I hadn't been doing that, I, I, I could have, I could have taken more classes like in film or whatever it was. And so, but then I learned after I went and talked to, I was very upset and I talked to a higher up in the uh, academic counseling uh, office and they mentioned how basically you just have to ask for the off menu items and you get helped way more and can get um, just a lot more stuff done very quickly. And so for my capstone seminar, which at DePaul was like the end of your program, the end of your study, uh, like a big paper, you had to do a thesis basically. I got to build my own thesis. I got an extension. I, I didn't have to take it with a class. I just, I had it on my own. I met with my advisor, I think like three times over like 20 weeks. And I got to do a finance paper on film finance. And it was, it was like an amazing ending to the experience. But like no one ever told me like, these are the other options you have. That was never on the table. It was always just the same printed out sheet that I had at home and they showed me again. So Brian, please go. So Mitch, you substituted. You're a man who orders off the menu, and yet substitution here saved you. <laughs> it wasn't even. I, 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 I get what you're trying to do, and you can't paint me into that corner um, because. Want to rally up, pal? <laughs> education is not food. Um, so uh, you're some right. would say it's food. It's food for the brain. It's actually yeah, more important. Yeah. Yeah, food for the brain. It's food nourishment. Yeah. This so I, like, I had a very different experience. I, my my uh, advisor gentleman by the name of Gary Novak, who is a prominent member of the DePaul film faculty, one of my favorite people still to this day. And I remember being in his office and I was, I, cause I had gone and I looked at the things and things had changed and I wasn't going to get whatever he was like, he was like, wait, what's, what's the problem? I was like, well, these class doesn't count for that. That doesn't whatever. And he just kind of, he sat there in silence for about five minutes, just clicking and clicking and clicking. And then he looked back at me. He's like, all right, you're good. <laughs> I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I moved some stuff around. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so, the way so it should uh, be, yeah. It, it, it worked out for me. So I, I can't share wow. your despair, although oh, I, I feel some sympathy. I'm so happy for you, Nathan. So <laughs> glad that, that that good old Gary just fixed it for you in a couple minutes. When when uh, he was just not talking, you were just in his office doing nothing, just sitting there quietly. <laughs> Okay, yeah, yep, you just fixed it all. You didn't have to do anything. You didn't have to ask for anything. Sure, okay, yep. <laughs> all right, B- Brian, let's let's hear your number. <laughs> My I'm bringing this three. down into the gutter. We I'm, are not coming I'm out. Not, I am angry I'm not dignifying now. that with a response. I'm heading over to Brian. <laughs> I order as is. It's a secret menu. It's a secret menu. I don't change the secret menu. I just order off the secret menu. Go for it. <laughs> number three, the money. You'll have so much money. So nothing makes my blood boil more than boomers, first of all, but mostly boomers that complain about modern generation whining over college. Don't go to college if you can't afford it. I didn't tell you to take out loans you can't repay. I worked my way through college. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. It's not 1982, and I can't pay for college by working part-time slinging ice cream scoops, you old fuck. 
Yeah, you old fuck. (laughs) Yeah. When those boomers entered college at 18 in 1982, the average annual tuition at a public school in modern dollars was $1,031. And the average cost of a private college was $4,600 annual tuition. So- Basically, a four-year private school costs as much as one year at DePaul, less than one year at DePaul. So at this rate, I will be starting to pay off my school until I'm at least 34 at a minimum, which means now I can start saving for a house at 34, hopefully to have a down payment by 40. Then I can start saving again, which means I'll have furniture in the house by age 42. And then if I save again, I can have food in the fridge by age 43. And by this point, I already plan to have eight kids so they can tend to the farm uh, because I got to pay off that tractor. Remember from the last one? (laughs) And then uh, the cycle of agriculture versus industrial age starts all over again. And that's where I'm at. And my number three being just swarmed with debt that you cannot pay. This 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 does make it much more clear why your ultimate fantasy several episodes back was that three thousand foot or three thousand attainable foot house. man attainable. Oh, it, it's not sounding very attainable to the picture you're you're painting right it's now. It's not, which is why I'm angry. <laughs> well, this is. I'm also enjoying the fact that we're complaining about boomers here. Where this is the episode where the three of us has sounded more like grumpy old men than we ever have in our entire lives. No, we're finally of the age where we can complain. It's our turn. Damn it. <laughs> yes, white man approaching middle age complaining. That's the winning formula. That's what for the show. world needs. It's it's what makes entertainment sellable. It will bring us funds and acclaim. <laughs> well i i i'm not the the richest man who's ever lived and i went to college and uh i know a lot of my friends are in the same boat and my question is because i i see people who i think have money complaining about how little money they have and i just don't know where the money is i just think no matter what no matter what level you will complain when you have nothing, you complain you have nothing. When you do have something, you complain you don't have more. And when you have more, you complain you don't have it all. So it's, I think it's more of just a, a, a side effect of being a, a douchebag American than anything. So that's pretty much what it comes down to. All right. Well, this this round number three was depressing on all levels. So one point to each of you. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to move on to Mitch's number two. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my, I also had a pretty, um, I didn't have a normal college experience. I'll say that. And, um, I was, I was one of maybe 15 at DePaul who had this experience, but, uh, but so this comes, this is what my number two derives out of. And that, um, one of the broken promises of my time, uh, at college was they always say you'll have time for ample study. You know, they say that you'll have the time to read all your books. They say you'll have the time to do all your homework. They say you'll have the time for um, volunteering opportunities, for internships. But but the truth is, like, in my experience, when you have to, like, when you're practicing twice a day, sometimes three times a day leading up to the season, that doesn't leave enough time to go to class and do your homework. And um, outside of normal practice, like, you're expected to lift, of course, as well. And, like, you always got to work on your free throws. And then like, you know, you're, you're tired from practice. So classes are tougher. And then also, I mean, what does practice lead up to? 
games. You have to travel to the games, whether it's a home game out at Allstate, you know, by the airport, or you have to travel to another state to play a game. And playing just with your friends at the park or in the gym, that's fun. That's easy. That's what I love to do. <laughs> but when the when the TV cameras are there, that puts so much more stress on you as a player. And as a starting shooting guard with with the offense squarely resting on my shoulders, like I, the, the amount of stress I had to take on didn't leave my brain enough power, enough uh, nutrients to be able to do school really great. And also, I want to I have a bone to pick. And Nathan, I'm I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Okay. The library not open twenty four hours, right in Lincoln Park. The Richardson, the John T. Richardson Library. The John T. No. Richardson Library. Yes, that is one of the largest, another broken promise of DePaul. I needed that library open 24 hours a day because that was the only time I really had to study. On, on, on top of on top of uh, layup practice, on top of dunking practice, <laughs> on top of running the offense practice. I mean, when was I supposed to find time to make any friends? You know, or or go out and experience any of great Chicago's cultural touchstones. I had no time for that. What what did I have time for? I had time to average 18 a game, uh, grab seven (laughs) boards, and dish out four assists. And no, I didn't get to go and play in the NBA. Yeah, I tasted Europe for a little bit, but like I didn't have time to really turn into a a true student, you know, like to really get enough skills that would apply forward. So I'm just – I know I'm trying to let it go, all right? You know, like I'm trying to let the stress go. It's been a long time, and I just want to – I want to let it go. I want to let it out. Um, it was none of my teammates' fault. It, I mean, maybe it was my coach's fault. Honestly, it could have been my coach's fault. Um, I do have a bone but, to pick with the coach at DePaul in those days. Yeah, well, well I know Nathan and I. Uh, I mean, Nathan. Nathan tried to walk on, and uh, we were roommates, so it was kind of awkward when he when he didn't, and <laughs> yeah. I was playing uh, the whole season. <laughs> and Nathan, that whole time when you thought I was just disappearing to go party freshman year. I was at practice. I was I was shooting hoops. I was refining my skills. Um, so that was yeah. That was just a bummer for me. I just wish I had more time to study because I I didn't have it. I just didn't have the free time. So, it, well, your your glittering career was. You know, I hope the memories at least. You know, nobody can take those away from you. The memories, at, absolutely not. No, and a lot of them are, are are firmly entrenched on Facebook as well, which is great. So, also, <laughs> let me say, Facebook used to be something different. You know, people used to really connect on there. It wasn't just what they said in the commercials. People actually used to be able to use it to meet people. It was just a different time. Different time. Oh, we're really sounding old now. <laughs> I. I I, I, this does, what was the guy's, what was the guy's name who had the really good, he was in our year at DePaul, he left after his sophomore year, he had a really good NBA career. What was that guy's name? Wilson Chandler. Am, Wilson Chandler. Dub, I remember, yeah, Dub, he, yeah, he's my boy, we're, we're, we're very good friends still. <laughs> I, I remember very clearly one day when I was in uh, one of my, it was like a sociology class or something, and mm-hmm. Wilson Chandler was, he was enrolled in the class and he showed up maybe three or four times. And we were taking a test and he kept leaning over and like trying to ask me to copy his answer or like copy answers off of my sheet. Mm-hmm. And uh, he succeeded a couple times. He left like 15 minutes early. He'd scribbled whatever. And then he disappeared. And then a year later, I'm sitting in the 23rd row of the upper deck at the United Center watching the Bulls and the Knicks. And Wilson Chandler is on the floor playing for the Knicks. And I just felt like such a fucking failure. (laughs) (laughs) A year earlier, he was copying off of me in sociology. And there, me, someone who fancied themselves a basketball player, had paid to watch him from the nosebleed seats. 
as he dropped about 20 on an admittedly fairly uh, injury-riddled Bulls team that night. Yeah. Yeah. It well, was I mean, I mean, I mean, Nathan, to be fair, Dub Dub was the hope of Ben Harbor. I mean, he he was destined <laughs> for the for the L. And uh, I, I remember after that game, too, because I remember me and him went and got wings at uh, at the crossing <laughs> after that. And he 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 remembered you. He he said he said he, he actually passed that test. Thank the all thanks to you, honestly. So, um, yeah, well, what what would have his career have been if he hadn't? Uh, he, he may knows? have only played eleven years in the league instead of twelve. Who knows? I, I also <laughs> want to thank you for for letting me slip your homework out of your uh, textbooks when you were sleeping all the uh, that whole first year and letting me copy <laughs> off you. So that was great. Uh, you helped me out. So I, I um, don't know how since we were enrolled in entirely different classes, but I guess it, it worked out for and, you. <laughs> well, you know, and then and I didn't get good, I didn't get great grades. You know, uh, I, just, I just had confidence going into the into the classes. Okay. So yeah, that's half the but, battle. Yeah. yeah, if if I hadn't had that time to copy, I, I wouldn't have had time to to uh, perfect the the pick and roll with with uh, with Wilson. So um, yeah, sorry, I, I'm 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 going on. I'm, I'm living in the past here. Let's let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's keep moving. All right. Well, that's we already covered Brian's uh, number two. So, so Mitch, you're I, I mean, sure. You, you've both delighted and infuriated me with your basketball analogy in equal measures. So I'm going to give you two points for that round. Um, oh, I want to uh, give you three, uh, but I also want to give you zero. So two seems like the the fair. You should probably compromise. give me three because that was the shot I hit the most during during those Big East games. So. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm definitely not going to. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, this is going to bring us to our number ones. And Brian, I would like you to reveal and defend your number one, please. Sounds good. The number one broken promise of higher education is you'll be educated. So I went to school with some real dumb shits. We'll call them to be nice. And uh, we're, we're, we're literally in the room. Right? You were not in my class. You were not in my class. You were above me. So you were, you were upperclassmen. And don't you forget it. <laughs> I was I was beaten to de- I was beaten by you guys and you put me in my place. I was hazed thoroughly. Um, so you guys were way ahead of me, as we've mentioned. I'm sure you've had some of these similar people around your circle, either in finance or in uh, the film school. My estimate was that 10 percent of freshmen had the work ethic to be successful in the industry. Um, but the problem was of that 10 percent, seven thought they were going to be directors <laughs> And then 20% were those that were like, we liked watching movies, so we thought we'd like go to college for it. And the other 70% were just liberal art generics that had money to go to school, but just didn't want to work at school. So you had a lot of those people in your groups. Um, And if DePaul's brochure was to be believed, I was supposed to have been taught by not one, but two Academy Award winners both of which had already left the program before I had applied. So the false advertising was a lot of fun when I got there as a freshman. We, who who were those two people supposed to have been? Uh, one of them, I think you had, uh, the guy who was the sound mixer or designer for Dracula. David Stone, my main man. Dave, if you're listening, shout out to David Stone. David Stone. And there was somebody else in the brochure. I can't remember who, but it was, uh, those were two of like the biggest things in there and they were no longer with the program uh, when I got there. So that kind of pissed me off um i had some blow off classes i had some good classes but i never had a class that said how this is actually you're going to make money after you get out of school there were no classes that taught corporate videography which was like the easiest way to make yourself available to companies in chicago like just learn how to be like a quick documentary commercial shooter 
there are a handful of folks from my class that have gone on to be successful camera operators, grips, and other below-the-line talent, but that was like never the focus of any class that I was in. And when I attended, there were only two concentrations in the DePaul uh, uh, film school. It was either screenwriting or general. Those were your two concentrations for a BA. And obviously the best classes I had were hands-on production and cinematography classes or like coverage analysis. Like you could actually go out to LA and read coverage and write coverage and get a job doing so and learn a lot. So there were a couple of those that were legitimate, legitimate, and I will never complain about those classes. So shout out to Pete Biagi for his mentorship. That was a great cinematography uh, thing I learned a lot from, but the amount of stupid people in class, in every class was just like between the annoying loud mouths, the trust fund babies, the pretentious, my opinion is worth more than yours types. That's just what I couldn't handle anymore. And after a while, it just got so old. So it's like, yes, you learn the technical stuff, but what kind of was the good thing about having all this crap course is by the end, I wish it came earlier, but by the end of college, it's like, oh, here's everything I'm missing. So I'm going to go round out my education by myself. So it wasn't until after college that I was like, oh, I want to take some writing classes. That's when I got into the IO and the annoyance and taking all these things and learning from the late, great Michael McCarthy and now head of the comedy lab, Howard Johnson, who worked with Monty Python. And that's when I really started to understand the story writing process and all that stuff. So if I had to do it all over again, I wish I had all that IO stuff up front and then finish it off with the technical stuff of DePaul. But if I did it in that order, I wouldn't have met you two clowns. So hindsight is 2020. Oh, that's... That's you, a nice sentimental touch you added on the end there. You gotta, you gotta take your uh, licks where they lie, and it's just like you know what this—that was the good thing about meeting the right people at the right time is priceless. So, yeah, as much yeah, as you complain about all this, that is the we, most important thing. I, I spent you know five figures or six figures or six figures on DePaul, but I made two priceless friends. Aww, <laughs> cute. Yeah, I wish I could remember their names. <laughs> There's also you guys. <laughs> uh, I, I also I had this is just a, something you reminded me of. It's not related to like a film course. This was just a, a an oh my god moment I had. It was a it was a political science uh, course I was taking an elective, and when we did the like the roll call, the professor was saying like I'm gonna I'm gonna have a question and then I will. You, you just answer like that's how we're going to do the, the roll call and it, it took i think it was like five or six people this was in 2007 or 2006 somewhere in that range and it took five or six people before somebody got the answer right to who was the current vice president literally five wow. or six people in a class at DePaul couldn't name dick cheney as the sitting vice president and i remember sitting there thinking everything that i thought this was supposed to be is not true. Yep. This is it. It was, it was shocking. I, so that, that's what you're, uh, you're that's totally you're what I'm getting. Reminded at. Me that, of. That's yeah. exactly the type of people that it you was, run into. It, it really is. It really is. College is more, more than anything else. Really what you make of it uh, yep. is the bottom line as, as all of life is. And what's funny but, is that bottom 70% I mentioned, Everything they paid to go to DePaul for could have been learned from the bonus features of their DVD collection they already had at home. 
Like that's why they attended. Like, oh, I want to learn how like movies are made. I'm like, listen to the commentary. <laughs> Watch this. If you want to try and learn something, you need to actually make it attainable for yourself and pay attention and try things, not yeah. just watch movies. Well, in the uh, in the in the finance classes, uh, I think the equivalent here was many uh, dudes. They, they almost always uh, were coming from a business in, internship during the day. So I, I did a lot of uh, my business classes, you know, th- three hour chunk once a week at night. And so they'd be in their like business dress, and they'd they'd have their their copy of uh, the Art of the Deal um, next oh, to their, good Lord. their notebooks. Yeah, there were so many young men who had Donald Trump books with them. I, I can remember it was in, ev- including including our classmate, the guy who graduated with us, George Stephanopoulos, or, or no, George. Not him. Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. Stephanopoulos yes. is a very different guy. Yeah. George <laughs> George Papadopoulos. That guy, yep. yeah, did you ever, yeah, I met him. Did you meet him when we were in school? He was a poli-sci major. I'm sure, I probably had a class with him. I don't remember him though. I had a class with him. Fucking asshole. Yeah. Totally deserved to go to jail. Yeah. Awful. <laughs> fuck that guy. Fuck you, wherever the fuck you are. Like, I hated him, and then I forgot about him entirely until he made the news for being a Trump acolyte who committed crimes, and yeah, he sucks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the good thing about my program, though, is out of the 10 people or so, like six of them are women who are doing fantastic in the industry, one of which is a successful producer, one of which is like a, an underwater cinematographer, another one's a regular cam op, another one's a grip, so I'm like... That was the one thing that was good about our program. It was like a lot of equal opportunity was coming out of it. And I hope it's gotten better than what it was when we were there. But uh, that's one good shout out for for the program. Wow. All right. Well, on that positive note, let's uh, rip it on over to Mitch Brinkman for his number one. Sure. Yeah. So my number one, in a way, is a continuation a little bit um, of my number two. But also, it, it's I think it's a, a, a great description or example of how the fine print <laughs> Uh, in college policy can kind of trip you up a little bit. And so my number one broken promise of higher education, in my case, of course, DePaul University, was that the unlimited meal plan wasn't really unlimited. So as a basketball player, (laughs) I was entitled to (laughs) as much food and drink as I could, you know, carry, eat, consume at the DePaul Student Center. Now, this came to a head when, I mean, one, the food was eh at best, but, you know, the, the drinks, yeah. eh, you know, okay selection. Uh, they, they did have the Oddwalla smoothies. Those weren't too bad, but of course, uh, you, you read the, the label and you find out, wow, 40 grams of sugar, that's not good for, you know, a finely tuned athlete's bodies, especially one that's <laughs> dropping 17 a game, you know, dishing four assists and grabbing seven boards um, in the Big <laughs> East, a very competitive conference. But it came to a head one day when I was at Outtakes Cafe, which is on the first floor of the DePaul Student Center, uh, which used to be right next to the um, the uh, the student like the fan shop. Uh, but they moved it because I don't think anyone was really buying apparel. Um, which <laughs> <laughs> what? Sense. Yeah, um, the DePaul Catholic University Blue Demons, plain possessed again makes no sense. But I Gibbs. digress. So. I, I'm at the Outtakes uh, Cafe, and I, all I want is an Oddwalla smoothie um, and like a you know a plastic cup of grapes where they've taken all the grapes off the vine and they put it in the cup for you. Um, 
because like you can't take them off your cell. Like you, you couldn't just get a vine of grapes or whatever. Um, and also there's like, you know, a couple of chunks of like shitty melon in there with it. You know, you know, one of those cups. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? A fruit cup, yes. Yeah, the the melon cup, yeah. Yeah, the melon cup with like the, the grapes. And stuff. Okay, so but it's a long line, and I have an unlimited <laughs> meal plan. So I just step past the line. I figure, I mean, this is all this is free to me anyway. So I grab the smoothie, I grab a fruit cup, and there's a roast beef cheddar sandwich there too. So I snag that from the cooler, and I walk mm-hmm. out. Donna, who's running uh, outtake, says. Hey, hotshot, stop right there. I think she's talking to someone else at first because, you know, again, unlimited meal plan, supposedly. She calls the security on me. So now DePaul campus police is there. They have me in cuffs and they've slammed me up against the wall. My Adwala smoothie goes to the ground. It doesn't break because it's in a plastic bottle, but the sandwich is toast. It, that, that thing's busted apart. The, the fruit cup is, is broken open. That The fruit's all over the floor. I've, I've crushed a couple of grapes by accident. But they bring me to a security office, which is not as nice as you, as you think it would be. It's like a cement room, basically, with a metal table. And I get dressed down as if I'm some, I'm some kind of criminal who's been stealing. And I keep trying to tell them, I have an unlimited meal plan. I am a basketball player. Varsity. I start. I drop 17 a game. I, I, I dish out four dimes, and I grab seven bounds. What the? F- and I, again, they're like, we don't give a shit. The cops are on their way. And I get arrested, okay? And this is all because I find out the meal plan isn't actually unlimited. I only get as much food as I want at breakfast, lunch, and dinner times. And this was mid-afternoon or whatever. So huge broken promise. A night in the slammer for me. Uh, and the coach <laughs> almost didn't let me play the next game. Turn- Thankfully, he did because we beat St. John's. Uh, you're welcome, coach. Uh, but... So that's, yeah, that, that's my number one broken promise. Like if you're a basketball player, like I was, if you're six, six, you know, two twenty, dripping wet, like I was, you know, uh, you're hungry, you need fuel to run the engine and th- this engine runs hot. So, um, <laughs> that's my number one. Well, that was, I, I remember the meal plans and the controversies, yep. controversies surrounding the meal plans mm-hmm. and how unlimited was a very misleading name. But despite the fact that I lived with you for all of freshman year yep. and can vouch for your whereabouts and your yep. basketball abilities as we were on the same intramural team, you finally poked a hole in your own story What? because I saw every basketball player steal food at the student center almost every day and none of them ever got caught. So you have been exposed, sir. <laughs> you were not on the basketball what? team. No. <laughs> your no, story I... does not check out. No, I'm 6'6". Six, I, six. I, 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 I saw, I'm 220. Oh, I saw <laughs> yeah. Sammy Mejia walk out with a patty melt unpaid for almost on a daily basis. So, yeah, uh, one point for uh, your <sighs> final round. Br- Brian, you're getting three because you hit on uh, the touchstone that I would like our young and impressionable listeners to carry from this is that your education is only beginning when you leave college. You got to do it on your own. As Mark Twain said, don't ever let your schooling get away in the way of your education. I think that's what you were trying to say, and I'm attributing it to you and not Mark Twain, so three points to you. And then I will now tally the scores and bump it bump it bump it bump it Brian. Brian scored nine, and Mitch scored more than nine. Mitch, you are the winner. <laughs> yeah. This is not uh, ten. No. Ten, exactly, to be. Woo! Precise. 
I'm getting real sick of this. Number one. Real sick. And it's always Nathan's fault because he's the host when you and I go head to head. So this is Nathan's fault. You guys, well, all right. Hopefully, hopefully the real winner will be all of us. And after they listen to to this episode, those people at DePaul who call me once every six weeks asking for money will stop. Yeah, please <laughs> stop. Real tired of those phone calls. Okay, winner uh, speech. W- winner speech. Here we go. All right, guys. <laughs> Is that a thing we do on this show? Apparently yep. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chant along with me. D E. M O N S D E M. Chant with me. What, you, what are you saying? I will, I will, I will not, not be doing this. D Paul B Ball. I Brian, never ring the, ring the bell, Brian. Ring the bell. <laughs> oh, guys, guys, guys. I never bring attended back to a my game, college so I don't know. I never this is what attended I used to a game. Here in the stands, when I'd be draining threes from the corner, and then I get fouled, and I hit the ground, and I'd wake up in my bed with a hangover. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right, that's the game is over, and that leaves us with me, Nathan Henenfent, delivering the fast five, the top five greatest numbers of all time. Yeah. 19th century German mathematician Leopold Kronecker famously uttered that God created the integers, all else is the work of man. Well, God put some more work into some numbers than others, but here are the five greatest. Number five is five. (laughs) Five is a number that truly does it all. You can slap five, give me five, take five, and high five. It's the traditional number of fingers on each hand and the number of players in a basketball starting lineup. From the Pentagon in Washington to the pentagram in your local satanic temple, the number five is a symbol of power. There are five pillars of Islam, five senses, and five members of the 90s boy band Five. In the last year, the number five has been pulling its weight as the perfect number to list and debate about on your favorite five-themed podcast, Uber Cinco. Yeah. Number four, four. <laughs> there are four sides to a square to your dinner table. There's the four horsemen of the apocalypse and the fab four of John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Four just has a regalness to it. There are four majors in golf and tennis, four Ninja Turtles, four Ghostbusters, four ladies on both Sex in the City and the Golden Girls. Four possesses a mathematical symmetry and an intuitive utility that makes it a standby number in any team situation. Number three, three. <laughs> three is company, three is a crowd, and three is the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can start at the count of three, make your pick in a game of Rochambeau, or rock out in a power trio. There were three amigos, three witches in Hamlet, and Hocus Pocus. You had Ron, Harry, and Hermione, as well as Larry, Curly, and Moe. Caesar, Crassus, and Pompey Magnus formed the first triumvirate in ancient Rome, and Han, Luke, and Leia were the triumvirate that dominated the greatest trilogy in movie history. But be careful with three. Sometimes the promises of adding a third to an already successful duo can end up spoiling everything that was already working, such as in a menage a trois or the Godfather film franchise. (laughs) Number two. Two. No higher authority than God himself said that when two are gathered in my name, he is present. And what duos have we had over the years? Siegfried and Roy, Laurel and Hardy, Holmes and Watson, Ren and Stimpy, and Mary, Kate, and Ashley. (laughs) Flash the peace sign, declare victory, or drop a deuce. The number two is an essential part of your life every day. Day and night, good and evil, Miller Light and Bud Light, the questions of duality are ever present. (laughs) Yes, two is a truly exhilarating and exotic number, especially if the two are you and me, baby. 
<laughs> oh. <laughs> and the number one greatest number of all time is... 38,279. Yes, just once in human history has perfection been achieved, and it is easily calculated in numerical form. 38,279 is the exact number of points scored by Michael Jeffrey Jordan in his NBA career, both in playoffs and the regular season, each more climactic and majestic than the last. 38,279. What a number. And that's this week's edition of Uber Cinco. Joining me today has been the King of Kings from out in Berwyn, Illinois. Brian Ernst. And our special little guy. Mitchell Brinkman. And I've been Nathan Hennenfen. As Bisbear always says, if it's brown, drink it down. If it's black, send it back. Alfita Zayn and adios. You've just listened to Uber Cinco, a production of UBK Studios. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your fine podcasts from. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please visit our Patreon site at patreon.com slash UBK Studios. Every little bit helps us keep the lights on and the bill collectors at bay. Keep tabs on us on all the social media at UBK Studios, and most importantly, subscribe to our YouTube channel so you can see that we really are just a bunch of good Midwestern boys. Yeah.